0: And before we start, I need to give a shout out to Grace Sharkey. Um, She did me a solid. She invited me onto her platform uh, this week. So I was on her Sirius X-Men radio show. So again, shout out to Grace. I truly appreciate all of the support that you've provided from that original write up to, you know, just all the people that you've, uh, you know, introduced me to. So thank you very much. Um, it looks like we're going to be having our guests join us momentarily, um, but they're excited because you got to clear the air, man. Um, they're with the market being what it is, you know, these these shifting cycles, and you know now more than ever, motor carriers and freight brokers need to be on the same page because you know with these fuel prices being what they are, the freight still has to get moved. So who's going to do it, and why would they want to do it for? you know, less a race than they were getting two months ago. So now we do have our guests on stage. Hey D, how are you feeling tonight?
1: Good evening. It takes a minute for my unmute. I apologize.
0: It's big. No, you're yeah. all good, how D. are you? Uh, I'm feeling very blessed, feeling very grateful, very excited to be here. And most importantly, I am happy to be able to talk to you on this platform because you know we've been We've been working together for a very long time, and, um, you know, I know all the game that you have and all the ways that you've helped me, so uh, I think it'd be perfect to to speak with you about this topic, you know, clearing the air, clearing all the misconceptions that might be going on in the the minds of a carrier right now with the the market changing. Um, With you, though, I would love for you to, you know, introduce yourself, if you could, you know I know you're a broker, but let's let's talk about it a little bit more. Um, who are you and why are you a broker?
1: well uh by circumstance, basically, I started <laughs> off just as a a college kid i didn't know what I was going to do, what my career was going to be. I started doing international business, and eventually, I came back to Georgia, switched schools, and uh, my guidance counselor was like, you know what? You really ought to switch your major to logistics because it's a growing field here in Atlanta and you will get a job immediately out of college. And I was like, well, that sounds good. Sign me up for that. Mm -hmm. So I switched my major and I ended up um, doing a specialization in supply chain management and logistics and, As soon as I graduated, just like the advisor stated, I was offered jobs. However, they weren't quite the jobs I was really expecting right away. I thought I was going to be, you know, doing production line at Coca-Cola or something like that. But (laughs) (laughs) because I was, you know, brand new, out of school, no experience, there there was only a a select amount of people or companies that would take a chance on me with just book knowledge. So um, I saw a posting for a logistics company, and they were saying, you know, no experience needed, logistics professionals, come, you know, come apply. And I applied, and at first I I came in, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to fit, because it was maybe 50 men and two women, and I'm thinking, "Mm, this probably isn't going to work out well for me and maybe two of them had the same hue of skin tone that i did so (laughs) but lo and behold they gave me a job um it wasn't what i expected to get as a freshly you know right out of school but they gave me a job and i learned with another broker i didn't know anything about freight brokerage that was nothing They taught you about that in school. It was not Uh taught. I learned from a freight broker how to do the job, what it was. And then my next thing was like, okay, how can I make more money doing this? So then they said, um, try to become a certified transportation broker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we will increase your salary per se. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll give that a try. And I got this book. I don't know. It was probably like 350 pages. Stupid big book. And <laughs> it gave me um, six months to, to practice, to read it. I had other options available. I could have done like an online training or I could just do the book and take the test, which is what I did. And I was just one of those fortunate few that passed. Mm-hmm. And lucky for me. Um, my company at the time that I was working for said, okay, we'll pay the upfront cost, but if you fail, if you fail the test, you have to pay the company back the money. (laughs) I was was, uh, fortunate that I passed and I didn't have to pay the company back the money. So long story short, I just kind of fell into brokering. Um, But as I started doing it more, I started... um, uh, (laughs) seeing different personalities uh-huh. and as I learned more about what is ethical or what is not ethical and I saw different people and, you know, I started to see, mm, you know, there are some people just like any business, you know, there are some people that are not good characters and not working in good faith. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to make it a point to, mm-hmm. to try to do this.
0: The right way. You know. I hear you. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, you, you, out of college, you were able mm-hmm. to capitalize to get a supply chain job. It wasn't necessarily necessarily uh, a broker per se, but you were close enough with a colleague so that they were able to teach you the ropes on how to become a freight broker. And That's then okay. you found out that if you became a certified freight broker you get a mm-hmm. you get a bump in and pay. All right. So, to you, mm-hmm. what is what is what does it mean to be a TIA certified freight <laughs> broker? Like, versus just somebody just starting their own agency brand new, fresh to game.
1: Yeah, um, it is a lot of information. Okay. Now, a lot of also uh, legal <laughs> legal stuff in there that you know, you they don't teach you on the job. For instance, you know, trying to pressure a driver to to do a next day run on something that's 800 miles, you know, legally, you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, if you don't have that experience or that knowledge, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that. True. So it's really just more in-depth knowledge than what you learn just working in a, as a broker. Um, It's just, I I would say more book knowledge, but it is more applicable than what you would learn in college. (laughs) You
0: know, that definitely makes sense. And with this day and age, folks better uh, brokers better watch out because Mm -hmm. uh, per freightways folks are motor carriers are submitting way more uh, citations and reports against Mm -hmm. freight brokers for Mm -hmm. requiring them to do those type of illegal runs. So, um, If and you there's a legal know.
1: responsibility there, too. <laughs> right. You know, if you do something and something happens and you encourage that driver to do that, you're also, you could be held legally
0: responsible. Right. So, everybody, yeah. everybody involved, including a, a freight dispatcher. So, um, you know, apparently that was one of the things that came out when we had uh, one of the insurance agencies up here that, you know, although a dispatcher might feel as though they are not responsible if something like that does happen, you know, uh, accepting of a load that's going to deliver way before it would be legally capable of delivering. And somebody is, you know, in a a compromising position, an accident, something, uh, depending on who the, the lawyer is, they can come after everybody involved in that. So, um, that's cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you have, uh, that advanced knowledge that lets you know the, the type of things that are okay versus, you know, w- you know frowned upon, essentially. Right. Yes, right. ma'am. Okay. So you became a freight broker, and how long have you been uh, brokering so far?
2: About 15 years.
0: 15 magical years or hard
2: years? <laughs> <laughs> hard years.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm not mad at you.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm
0: not mad at you. Okay, so that means that if you've been in the industry and you've been brokering for 15 plus years, uh, that means that you do have a good understanding of the relationship, the dynamic between a carrier and a broker. And, you know, let me just ask this just to get it out of the way. You know, what are the benefits of a carrier going directly, you know, utilizing the services of a freight broker versus going directly to the carrier. Like, I mean, excuse me, directly to the customer and or shipper. Like what would be that benefit of them saying, you know what? I do want to work with D because she does what?
1: Okay. Well, for one um, payment, it's a lot easier and faster to get paid through a broker than a customer. Um, sometimes they take 90 to 180 days to get paid and, you know, working for driver, working with drivers, they want money quickly. Um, the paperwork to facilitate these shipments, sometimes these shippers, they don't know about BOL. Sometimes they don't produce them. We have to make those shipments, um, they want updates, tracking, open line of communication. Some drivers are willing to do that. Some drivers are not. Um, they're not required to have additional insurance in case something goes wrong. Like there could be, for instance, the shipper doesn't necessarily um, research a carrier's insurance policy and the commodities that they're allowed to haul as well as a broker would, because they just don't know how to do that. That's not... Their specialty so a carrier going to a shipper yeah you think it's a good thing but ultimately the shippers are like well you know yeah we can do a few runs with you but if something goes wrong that trucker is in huge trouble and I don't really think truckers really understand all the the liability they open themselves up to not knowing how to facilitate a shipment all the way around. Like some guys know how to do it, but some guys they don't. Right. Um, And then also too, you know, shippers, all of a sudden they increase their demand and that one guy or his two or three trucks can't handle it. If you deal with a broker, a broker can get the, the truckers that can handle it. They can also make sure that trucker is a good trucker and a qualified trucker and has good scores. And, you know, it's it's more riskier, I believe, for the customer to go directly to a trucker unless it's a larger enterprise where they know that, you know, they're going to meet all the qualifications. But if you're dealing with a smaller trucking company, it's just a, it's a lot of things that can go wrong for the customer where they have a shield to work with a broker.
0: Oh, okay. No, I feel you. So you just gave us both sides. I didn't even ask for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gave us yeah. the benefits of the of the carrier working with uh, a broker mm-hmm. as well as a customer going directly to mm-hmm. a broker versus to a carrier. So uh, thank yeah. you for that. Um, so, you know, when you mentioned when you mentioned just the kind of like the safety net of a carrier, excuse me, uh, a a shipper would have by going through a broker. Uh, Just because of, you know, maybe maybe the capabilities or even the I don't know, the the business acumen of a a small carrier. Uh, What what are some of the things that you would say uh, would make a a solid carrier? One that you would actually the ones that you you send your your loads to first these days. You know what I mean? So like what makes those a solid carrier versus uh, what makes a carrier unattractive?
1: Okay, so are we speaking on um, if I'm brokering out freight yeah, to someone? Yeah.
0: Okay. That's what you, that's that's your normal mm-hmm. bag, so let's talk about mm-hmm.
1: that. Okay. Um the first thing that makes you attractive is an old M C number.
0: Right. Um, right, because dispatching <laughs> these new authorities, man, you're getting rejected yeah. left and right, you
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, the old M C number is attractive. Established history. Even better if, if you know, we have a relationship and worked with you before, we kinda know how you work? Um, no offense, Jory. You run a great dispatching service. You're always a joy, one of my favorites to work with. But,
0: but
2: just dang. broadly speaking, <laughs> but dang.
1: just broadly speaking, you know, a lot of brokers don't really like to work with dispatch services. Um, That's
0: true. I think I'm so, doing my job to change that perception. But go ahead, yeah. I digress.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see, driver transparency, you know, if we're given the driver's information right off the bat, name truck, trailer, cell, then we're not, you know, we're feeling more confident you actually have a driver that we can talk to instead of, instead of you're trying to figure it out as you go. Um, I mentioned this kind of a little bit earlier, but a mid-size carrier is, is ideal. You know, I'm not one too small, not one too big. Uh-huh. but mid-sized carrier with more than one driver and more than two or three trucks. Um, your origin state makes a, a big difference in terms of fraud because there's brokers. Now we have to look out for fraud.
0: What? what you ain't so. no caliber, uh, truck on your own? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it doesn't really make you as attractive, especially if you have a new MC number and you're out of Cali, you know? Right. So mm, Cali, Texas, Florida. Oh, Texas, too? Yeah, a lot of thefts out of Laredo, El Paso. Uh,
0: Right at the border, (laughs) huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of fraud. Um, Let's see. Um, I talked about communication. Mm, Oh, good CSA scores.
0: Okay, talk about that. Break Mm -hmm. that down for me so I can understand what you're talking about.
1: Sure. So, CSA scores. Um... A driver is rated on how they do with unsafe when they do inspections by the DOT, uh, unsafe driving out of service hours, meaning are you operating within legal hours? Um, driver fitness, controlled substance, I think are the four. Um, if you're a 72 or if you're flagged, we go to, um, Truck stop. If you're flagged seventy two or higher in any three of those categories, you're you're too much of a of a liability. So that's an out. So you want your scores to be as low as possible. Gotcha. In all of
0: those Oh, yeah. sorry about that, not to interrupt. For people mm-hmm. for a carrier who wants to uh, you know check out their scores, is there a way to do that for free or do they have to have like some type of um, pay subscription service? I'm
1: aware of a free service <laughs> <laughs> <Right. to> that. <laughs> that. That would be nice, though. I mean, they probably do need to do more to help drivers with that, you know, something where they can go check, like a credit score. You can go check it.
0: Right. See? That should be on the Safer Snapshot, if you're asking me. If it's that mm-hmm. important and it's based yes. on safety, why not? Mm-hmm.
1: But to take it a step further, you know, help these guys figure out what they need to do to lower the scores you know, other than just tell them some of these guys get them up high and they don't really know how to get them back down. So they burn their MC and they start all over again, you know, just,
2: <sighs> yeah.
0: Um, okay. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's why we'd be partner. That's why we partner with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of individuals who are smart in that aspect. You know, I personally mm-hmm. know, uh, You know, one of of my favorite people to talk to about anything compliance is definitely Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was with the uh, Truck and Breakfast Club. So, you know, very knowledgeable Mm -hmm. young lady. Um, Mm -hmm. So legacy consulting, I believe. Um, Mm Y'all holler at her if y'all ever want to, you know, learn how to get your get your scores in the right spot. But, yeah. Yeah. okay, so that's good information. I mean, one
1: other thing I probably would say in terms of makes making carriers more attractive, it's probably um having some kind of specialization like a hazmat, your drivers had a hazmat certified or a tinker indoors.
2: Mm. Or
1: if you run teams or if you have Twit cards. Like those kind of things are way more attractive because we know we can use you them more than just, you know, your regular day to day freight.
0: Right. Well that's and a good- there are, mm-hmm. So what about something as simple as having a Twit card, driver having a Twit card? Is that mm-hmm. is that not specialized enough?
2: That's
1: pretty good. I mean okay. <laughs> Twit card is good because you know that of course requires background check and clearance by the government
2: and, mm-hmm. and
1: not everybody can get cleared through that.
2: Right. So right, right.
1: that that lowers the driver pool, which means, you know, there's less drivers available to do it. So when you do get that freight, you're paid a little bit more better too, right? Because the competition isn't as high. Right.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. You are in a a smaller pool. That's like a set aside. Mm -hmm. If we're talking Mm -hmm. about government solicitations. so y'all get your, Mm -hmm. get your certifications up. Um, Mm -hmm. if that's something that you're into. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. Those are those, I think those are very solid ways that, uh, a carrier could distinguish themselves, become a strong carrier. What's the quickest way for, uh, carrier to kind of burn down the, the great reputation that they had built up with you? <laughs>
2: um,
1: unprofessionalism, you know, going through as a carrier, you kind of represent the broker. So when you go to our shippers and receivers, if you're there, you know, acting up, cursing out the people, you're not loading me fast enough or, you know, that, that will get you on a status where it's like, oh, I don't know if we want to work with this person anymore. Um, let's see. Back solicitation. What? That's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, um, I think I told you recently I got back solicited by what? somebody. We, I think we both know. And he thought that he would be better suited to deal directly with the customer than the broker going to the customer. And he found out that he couldn't quite service everything that the customer needed. So they essentially came back to us and said, can you help us? You know, we, we're sorry. We booked with one of your drivers direct and it's not working out.
0: <laughs> right. Well, let me ask so. this: have you uh, have you tendered any loads over to that driver since you found out they back solicited? No, sir. Um, and from
1: what I understand, that MC is no longer active. So he's probably going to be starting up again soon with something new. Oh, dang. And more than likely, he'll probably try it again.
0: <laughs> right, well, I hate to hear that. You got to get those business practices uh, to a stronger you know, point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. So back solicitation. That's a huge one. Um,
1: stolen, yeah. boats.
0: You know, stolen, has, loads. stolen
1: loads. Stolen loads? Yeah. Stolen loads. Carriers. A carrier has a history of stolen loads, which means that they're not always doing their due diligence, right? If you're leaving your, if you're allowing your drivers and your equipment to sit at a Walmart or truck stop unsecured, and your freight gets the freight gets stolen, you know that that kind of comes back on the carrier to some degree because it's like, were you doing everything you could have done to to kind of you know keep that freight safe? Right. um, that is another thing that could get you burned. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Double brokering. That's a that's a huge one. Double brokering. Oh, so many people try it. Um, you book a load with me, and then I see it posted <laughs> on the boards, and you're trying to cover it, just like I'm trying to cover it, and we do not have a co broker agreement. That's mm-hmm. unauthorized uh, rebrokering of freight. That means mm-hmm. our customer did not select you as a company to move their freight, to entrust their freight. They did not screen you. They didn't do anything, or else you would have had the freight from the get-go. They mm-hmm. gave it to us. Right. So <laughs> so that is a huge no-no. And, and on top of that, we, we lose a lot of transparency and control over the shipment when someone <laughs> else gets it, and they give it to who knows what, because they may not screen their drivers is thoroughly as, as we would, as I would maybe, you know? So. Right.
0: So let me ask this. When you say double brokering, mm-hmm. you legitimately mean that a brokerage mm-hmm. is reaching out to you on a posted load that you posted. And mm-hmm. then they are repackaging that bad boy as if it's theirs. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
0: You know, cause there's so many different, um, you know, ways in which I think of double brokering. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, also, to me, when a carrier uh, accepts a load and then they you know have they subcontract it out, you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I guess subcontracting the is the technical, but you know i mm-hmm. I do think about that as double brokering, and mm-hmm. uh, lastly, I think about double brokering when uh you know dispatch service, I hate to say that this happens um, you know, but whatever, whatever we 're trying to make the industry stronger for <laughs> you, to bring more awareness. <laughs> Uh, a, a dispatcher who has multiple MCs that they are booking loads on behalf, they will actually, you know, say, okay, this carrier right here has a very strong, uh, you know, background. Their authority age is old. They're a year old. And this company over here that I just brought on, they, they're only two days old, so they can't get any loads. So they'll book it under the older authority whole time. They're planning on being at, having it run with that new authority car uh, carrier. So, you know, that's the third way that I think of double brokering. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, cool. Yeah. I can see how all of those are good ways to, you know, take you right to being, you know, getting those freight guard reports, um, mm-hmm. and things of that. Okay. So cool. Appreciate you mentioning that. So now mm-hmm. we're here, right. We're trying to get some clarification on, you know, well, my my ultimate goal out of this conversation is to, you know, clear the air. You know, um, right now the, the market is changing. Uh, rates are, you know, dwindling and carriers that might have gotten into the industry during the pandemic. So, you know, higher rates. Um, they probably didn't think about some of those operating expenses. So they're getting squeezed now with their 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 biggest variable cost fuel like skyrocketing you know so what's you know there has to be some type of give here and i'm hoping that you with your experience can help us understand uh where you know the give and take can take place um so for you i know i know personally that you have been on the pricing side of freight okay so what does that conversation really look like when you know you're being told there's a freight opportunity This is what it is. This is what it requires. The type of vehicle that it requires. Um, Like what's that process like talking to them about the rates today versus what it was, let's just say two months ago to say before things started to shift.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So a lot of the pricing we do right now, mostly is via email or EDI
2: Uh
1: and they solicit out to several brokers so it's not a lot of conversation involved. And the key for brokerages is they want to get the freight and still be able to cover it you know at a profit. But to get the freight, you got a bit lower enough to get it from other broker competitors. So the customers kind of put us against each other now, for the bids or contracts that we were already awarded pre-fuel increase. Um, Now, we have gone back to those people, and the customers, they already know. You know, we say, listen, our drivers, we can't do it at this rate anymore. They're, They're asking for more money. Those contract bids are stuff that is already awarded to us. Most of our customers have kind of worked with us in terms of increasing those rates. In turn, And it, it trickles down to our drivers because those contract loads often have dedicated carriers on them. And we'll let them know. They'll say, hey, you know, D, D fuel's gone up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I told the customer, we got more money. Here's some extra money. And it works out fine. But the problem is the spot freight, right? Because you have to hit that sweet spot. You have to be low enough to get the freight from your competitors. But then you still have to move it. And that is a little harder unless it's something, you know, a a different type of freight where it's like FEMA, you know, something that's emergency warranted where they're just like, whatever, open checkbook, just get us a truck and bill us, whatever. Um, But, yeah, most of the time our customers have been pretty understanding. And also, too, our customers will put us against each other. I, I had one the other day that was like, you know, this broker came in at this price can you match them? <laughs> so we're like, well, you know, and if brokerages don't get freight, that's our bread and butter. So the, the goal is to try to get freight. And sometimes we'll say, okay, you know, we'll try it. We'll see. We'll see if we can get you a truck at this price. Cause we, sometimes we just don't know. We're like, it's right. really low. That's really low. But we'll let you know if we get something at this price. Um, and if not, we'll tell you our next best thing. So these uh these customers out here or shippers, you know, they're they're pretty savvy too now because that's their goal is to try to get their their product moved for as low as possible, which is why they go to brokers. Right. You know, and they have us bidding against each other. And in, in some instances, seeing what the other is bidding. So it's just a bidding war.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can I can understand that, especially you know I'm in the process. I wanna I wanna own a home here in the Atlanta area, and mm-hmm. it is a seller's market. People are going crazy, you know you know out being outbidded, taking hundred thousand dollars over the asking price, and it's still being rejected because mm-hmm. somebody just you know bid higher. You know what I mean? So I understand yeah. the 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 notion of supply and demand, but you know mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. What's the goal of the brokerage? You know what I mean? Do you guys have like a certain you know, margin that you're looking to capitalize mm-hmm. at each time? You know what I mean? Is that something?
1: Well, I just want to back up a little bit. It depends on the brokerage. You okay. know, some brokerages are startups. They don't have a lot of freight. So how, how they do their stuff is going to be a little bit differently. Okay. Sure. I, you know, I work for corporations or, or, or a limited liability company. So they are, they've been in business for years and years and years and years and years. They make their money on volume. Okay. So we can move our freight with lower margins, meaning, you know, we're only making $25 or $50. But when you do 200 or more of those a day, that's, that's how you make your money. Right. But if you're a smaller brokerage, then maybe you are... Um, trying to negotiate, you know, thirty five percent of your margin, <laughs> you know, whatever you get awarded the load for, you're trying to keep thirty five thousand because you maybe only have four loads a day, right? Or if you're really, really fortunate, you have a very lucrative customer who's one of those ones that have good a relationship with you and have a lot of money in the bank, and they're like, whatever, just charge me whatever.
0: <laughs> right, right, no. I mean, I heard the riches are in the niches, so I, yeah <laughs> i I know many of uh freight brokers out here who are only going after expensive freight, only yeah. the stuff that costs top dollar um yeah. you know to purchase so that they know they're going to spend at least a portion of that on getting it there safely, so um yeah, they do get but i I do want
1: to note you know so many people in this industry are chasing after the money, you know the more. Uh, Let me see. The more they pay on their freight, there's probably more work involved.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: You know, for instance, you know, for a while I was shipping precious metals. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a
1: lot of money in that commodity. Well, a lot like, of money. Uh,
0: copper or gold? Mm-hmm. Copper. Okay.
1: Which means that you got to do more work. You know, your drivers have to have background checks. They have to take... um a safety class once they get on site. They have to pass a safety test. They have to have PPE. Their the hair can't be long. You know, it's just so many other extra things. You know, that extra money comes with extra work.
0: <laughs> mm. You know. Okay. No, I definitely hear that. I mean, and that's kind of what you you would uh, imagine would happen. <laughs> I think today, you know, I think the same things that might have been required for those high precious or those high-value cargos uh, five years ago is the the norm for every single delivery today. You know what I mean? Like, every customer wants transparency 24-7 while the freight is in the hands of the broker and or carrier. So um, I think Mm -hmm. technology at least helps some stuff. Um, So if anybody's listening, I would say go after that higher-paying situation if you have the option. Um, Right. Yeah. But let me ask this, because all right, you said that 10, 12, maybe whatever percentage is, you know, solid for if you're, if you're going on volume. Um, So this is kind of like where I am in the industry as a a dispatch company owner. My whole entire goal is to get the, you know, not necessarily the highest paying freight just because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it is a, it's a delicate dance, you know, but you want to, you want to book rates where you're, carrier can at least, uh, you know, live, pay their bills and make the profit that they're looking to make. And the broker can also do the same thing. I feel as though what's happening and I have to put my foot in the ground is that the rates are going so low that, you know, if a carrier or a dispatch service doesn't make that stand of like, Hey, you know, we can't accept something for this low because if we do, how low will they really go? But now the same exact way that you say that the brokers are competing against one another, I feel as though that same exact mentality is happening on the carrier side. You know, a a brokerage might Mm -hmm. put something onto the low board and, you know, 50 carriers are calling, especially if we're talking about box truck, right? So let's say it's a hundred carriers calling, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. the, the low started being posted at maybe, you know, 400 miles for $600, you know, and the person that, you know, has an understanding that fuel prices are at a higher rate, they might come over and say, hey, well, give me uh, 3 dollars 5 a mile or something like that. And then, you know, we have that whole back and forth saying, okay, well, this carrier they just said they'll do it for a dollar and fifty cent a mile. You know what I mean? That's which is ridiculous, but it's happening all the time. You know? Do you feel like a a brokerage has some type of responsibility in there to say, you know, twelve percent? I got that, but this carrier accepting it for a dollar fifty over here that that takes my my margin over to you know forty percent. You know? Do you feel like there's some type of you know, ethics or morals or some type of like uh you know something, you know, to make sure that everybody is winning versus uh one one team, one party?
1: That's a tricky question because True,
0: true. What That's rate I got you on a stage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, what rate is not winning to you is winning to someone else.
0: True. So... I think a backhaul or something.
1: Yeah. So um, we don't really, you know, intervene too much per se. We don't change the rates to increase the margin for box truck. I mean, I don't really, I don't know what other brokers do, but the the thing about box trucks, the problem is right now, is that you're kind of like in that bidding war that I described. There's mm-hmm. so many box trucks out there and everybody wants the same load and they'll underbid you. Like, you know, oh, man, wait. There's been so many calls I've taken where God will be like, oh, man, I missed the low. What you cover it for? And I'll say it, and he goes, man, I would have took it
0: for, you know, hundred dollars right. cheaper, you know? Oh, see, see. So it's I hear kinda you. Like, I hear you. You know,
1: it's nothing that we're doing. <laughs> right, I hear you. They're, you they're, the box truck operators are kind of bidding against each other and so yeah, we no just, we just let it we, we let it do what it do
0: <laughs> right it okay us. I mean I understand <laughs> I definitely understand yeah. there I mean I guess me as a you know the type of person I'm I am you know when I am privy to how much uh, a carrier did accept it for and I'm actually propositioning <laughs> to say will you take this for fifty dollars less I'm like no like No, go ahead. If you already booked it with that person, go ahead, because I just know how how much it sucks for me to think that I've already figured out a solution for one of my carriers just for the broker to come back and, you know, give me some some type of excuse as to why it's not going on now. So, you know, that's just a personal thing for me. But I I know what you're saying is true. You know what I mean? Like it happens every single day. Um, You know, I just want to
1: say this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just I know you know, but, you know, when we have Box Truck Freight, just like I explained to you, we just get so inundated with calls. We we don't want to post it. We don't want to deal with it. It's best for us just to call some people that we regularly deal with and say, hey, we have this load available. Are you interested? Mm -hmm. In the interest of saving us time and effort from taking 20, 50 calls on the same load and we're not able to do anything else but answer calls, You know, sometimes we will just, you know, we'll just, that's why we call our court people before we post it up. And sometimes if we're able to pay more, we will, because we just don't want to spend the time to, to filter all those calls. And I would say probably 80% of people who call on box truck freight are not, are not set up. You know, they're not even eligible to be set up. So. Um. You know, it's just, it's not even worth, it's not worth the trouble. So like when we talked about core carriers and what makes you attractive and building relationships and knowing how people service, for instance, like I said, you're, you're great at your service and you're great at updates and booking trucks and keeping me posted. So we call people like you who do an excellent job, and if we're able to pay more, we will because we just don't want to deal with trying to get a new carrier set up and right. hoping that that driver's going to answer the phone and hoping they're going to be where they're supposed to be. And, right. You know, I got to babysit them all day. I don't have time to, to babysit, you know, oh. and I just want to turn it over to someone I know that's going to do a great job. Yes, ma'am. And let it run, <laughs> you know. Okay. So, okay. so yeah box truck box truck freight is is tricky and i would say that the only thing really right now that you could do to command more money would be to diversify you know box truck hazmat box truck reefer you know
2: something yeah true true distinguish very distinguish
1: you from the other you know people are now are uh, the last two claims we've had have been from box truck operators renting Penske trucks. One flipped, and the other one got stuck in a ditch. And <laughs> I mean, it's just so, it's just so crazy. So I would definitely, um, you know, diversify yourself because now anybody and everybody is trying to operate a box truck. They don't sure. even have a box truck. They're renting box trucks.
0: Yeah, so. very saturated. But I ain't gonna lie mm-hmm. though. I do have my top carrier. My top carrier uh, is a box truck carrier right now and mm-hmm. she puts other folks to shame. I'm not even gonna mm-hmm. lie to you. I'm talking mm-hmm. about she, uh, and she's renting her truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, some people are out here, you know, to do it right. Um, the right way. Um, oh yeah. And, you know what I mean? Very knowledgeable and, you know, they're they're very professional about uh, I agree. Company, Yeah, but I can see I how with the I market agree. being saturated, you know, and, you know, all these new folks just jumping in, maybe not having yeah. the, you know, yeah. the, the, the ancillary knowledge about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't mean to sound so pessimistic because I have run across some really excellent new setups box truck carriers that did everything perfectly
0: (laughs) Mm, okay okay
1: yeah
0: so okay okay i just had to you know make sure i was sticking up for my folks that were trucks out here you (laughs) know but it's no worries um look so uh do you still do like uh do you still do stuff out of the uh that goes cross border and if so like If somebody wanted to do that type of stuff, do you have like a kind of like a a breakdown, maybe a rundown of how to? And if not, it's cool. You know, I just know that you uh, were doing that at one point in your career.
1: Mm -hmm. So most of the cross-border shipments I did at one point were going into Canada. Uh But as you all know, recently they had this whole truckers thing that slowed down the Canadian movements. It's just now starting to move again. Uh Uh-huh. And, yes, actually, I think I moved one just last week. But really, uh, what a carrier would need to do is... I'm going to start with Canada because every cross-border is, you know, is different. Okay. Um, The carrier we need to be have it on their authority where they can go to Canada for one Um, the customer will the customer that gives us the freight will assign a customs broker to the freight Mm -hmm. Uh, the customs broker is responsible for you know clearing the goods the driver would get the shipment get the BOL and contact the customs broker that customs broker will process the bol and the cci i think it's like um canadian commercial invoice i believe is what it stands for and the customs broker will clear the crossing for the driver and you know he there are a lot of changes lately you know you have to have vaccine cards and and most of the um canadian uh, U.S. to Canada, Canada to U.S. carriers already have most of their drivers already vaccinated with vaccine cards. They already have the number. There's a number that Canada issues to um, to allow them to do cross border shipments. Mm. So, um, but yeah, we're still doing those. They're running smoothly. Um, mm. the, the biggest thing you have to be aware of Is that Canada operates on different holidays In the U.S. So we have had some growing pains At one point Learning that that's a holiday in Canada Your freight's not going to be accepted
2: mm. um, Sometimes
1: Every once in a while Our driver is held up at the border But it's usually just like a, a typo thing Usually with the providences The codes You know it's a lot different than the U.S. And if the driver makes a typo it's Filling out the paperwork and the custom broker process it and it, it gets shot back, that that would be the only delay a driver would experience. And the best part is they don't come to us and whine about it. They deal directly with the, the customs broker and get it taken care of and, and cross the freight.
0: Mm, so, man. Um, Look, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize how close Canada was in certain places. You know, my, my carrier just, yeah. was it yesterday? Just mm-hmm. yesterday accidentally went into Canada. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Like, just yesterday, was in the Detroit area and yep. got into the wrong lane. It was locked in. So, it was heading
1: to Windsor, huh? Windsor, yeah. Ontario.
0: <laughs> like, what? So, yeah. no, nah, that's interesting. Um, but do you feel like it's more lucrative to be able to have that type of stuff? Is that the type oh, yeah. of set-aside Pre- um, credentials? carriers? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Any. Any anything you do that pulls you out of your average move, yes, and they have to do some extra stuff to be able to to do cross border shipments. But it is lucrative, you
2: know. You're right,
1: it's definitely okay. lucrative. Now Mexico is kind of a different animal. I've never personally been responsible for moving or the Mexican freight because, mm-hmm. for one, I'm not bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of the um, the people that move the Mexican freight, they like to speak Spanish, so mm.
2: it's a little bit <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a little bit different to do when you when you don't speak the, the native language. But um, okay, but you didn't run into that
0: with the French in Canada.
1: No, mm-mm. okay, I haven't run into that with Canada. Okay, um, but definitely with Mexico, and even getting it. To its final de- destination is a little bit more cumbersome in Mexico because it gets held at the U.S.-Mexican border and inspect it and then like a freight forwarder will have to pick it up and take it to its final destination where in Canada you know you can kind of the driver that crosses can take it direct right? So, and then there's NAFTA agreement you know like a NAFTA certificate that you have to do and it's just a little bit more of a cumbersome process from what I understand
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: from my um coworkers that move mm-hmm. the uh, Mexican freight. Okay. But yeah. yeah. And it also takes a little longer to cross too than than Can than Canada.
0: Okay. I can feel it. I mean mm-hmm. um all right. Well, look, I was gonna transition, you know, because we you and I be we've been communicating and booking loads with one another for a very long time. And, you know, when I first met you <laughs> well, via phone, I'm, we might've had, a, we might've had a relationship broker carrier for two years. And I, you know, I found out some stuff after the fact, just, uh, you know, just by us being on the phone longer, you know, uh, or I guess talking about other stuff. And I would hear, you know, just a little bit, something else, you know, and are you comfortable with me going into this conversation? Because I just want to make sure that you are.
2: Yeah, it's fine.
0: (laughs) Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, you know, I, I distinctly remember us having a conversation about some load opportunity and I heard you say something and it was different than the way that you had been talking before. And it was something that I picked up so, you know, naturally because, you know, I've heard that type of speech before. I was like, hmm, you know, <laughs> where are you from? You know? <laughs> that's, the, that's the question I said. Man, hold on one second. D, where, where are you from? And you said Atlanta. And I said, <laughs> what? Because at that point, I knew things were different than I had perceived them for two straight years and you know it was it was the it was the colloquialisms that you used, the way that you said things that you know alerted me to okay well this is different than I imagined all right and just to say it plainly you know do you want to put it in your own words or do you want <laughs> me to say
1: it? you can say it and I'll respond
0: <laughs> okay cool and, I want, and then I want you to lead into as ask to, you know, what. Why? Why? <laughs> All right. So the whole entire time that we had our relationship, I thought you were a white lady. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought you were a white lady um, that I would just meet by talking on the low board. And the way in which you spoke, you know, uh, it was like, OK, cool. This is just another white lady. No, you know, cool. But then I heard that dialect. I'm like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. you know that's Atlanta that's Southside Atlanta I know it okay you can't you can't you know everything that I knew before is not is not right okay so, and now I ask you why was that your you know why why'd you do that and like why was that the way that you um, you know you, you greeted people that you didn't know in while mm-hmm. in the freight industry you know not in mm-hmm. your regular day to day but, you mm-hmm. know, in regards to freight brokering.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, freight brokering is essentially sales, right? <laughs> and right. you're selling freight to carriers. Um, I, I kind of hit on it a little earlier, but when I first started in this industry, it, I, I didn't see a lot of people like me. It was actually people quite opposite of me. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, when I spoke to people on the phone, you know, I wanted my delivery to come across as professional, relatable, trustworthy. Um, And I am aware that there are still people in this world that still discriminate, whether it's based on gender, age, ethnicity, they're out there, right? But I can't control all of those things, but I was like, you know what? You know, what I can control, I'm going to try to make a little bit of an effort because I don't want to be discriminated against. I don't want to stop my coins because someone may have a problem with you know my ethnicity. Because essentially, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to conduct business.
2: Right. So,
1: um, so I, you know, I kind of try to make myself not as identifiable with my ethnicity and um, I just didn't want to be discriminated against and you know I, I've shared with you that I've personally dealt with a company who flat out terminated business with me <laughs> after they learned my ethnicity and that was, that was hurtful and um,
0: yeah, was, But how, how'd that happen? Like, describe, like, the relationship Mm -hmm. you had with them and, Mm -hmm. you know, what led to that?
1: So, I was doing business with them for probably about two years and just, you know, did what I do, conducted myself professionally and did everything that my job required and,
0: and this was a commissions position, like something.
1: This was a position that involved commission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> and I had a coworker who was also on a commission base, and um, he felt that it was prudent to let this company know that I was of African American descent, and. That company no longer dealt with me, and therefore I no longer received a commission from working with this particular company and To make matters worse worse, the um, dispatcher that I was working with with this company he called me. He asked me, "Are you really black?" You know, just <laughs> very very, very insensitive and racially offensive questions that were really, really hurtful. And um, he said, did I take speech lessons? And was I learning? What did I do to learn to articulate myself? And just a lot of very hurtful things. And he's like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised, you know. Then after that, I never never heard from him again. I reached out to him a few times. He wouldn't take my calls and, um, I ended up losing, losing that carrier to, to move right for me at that time.
0: So, right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I asked this because I feel like this is something that is not talked about probably enough. Maybe it's not even on the radar of uh, mm-hmm. the majority of people. Um, but, the the whole notion of having to, you know, car switch, you know, you, you talk, you talk one way uh, mm-hmm. with your, your family, with your friends, um, just out and about and, you know, having to be on alert and speak almost a completely different way um, in a professional environment uh, just for the sake of being able to maintain income or you know, maintain what somebody would perceive you to be professional um, or something like that. And, you know, I wanted to talk about it just because, you know, I too probably have had those type of, you know, conversations. Well, you know, the way, the way in which I speak, Um, you know, I I was raised in a very proper household. Um, My brother, the person who I wanted to be like more than anybody in this world was a very smart dude and he didn't use slang. You know what I mean? So I learned, I spoke proper English and that's, that's just me, you know, but the whole point is I still have to, you know, or at one point in my life, it was something that I felt like I did have to put on. And, uh, you know, now it's less that I don't, I don't have to think about it as much where I am in life today. Um, but the fact is that's how you and I met and, you know, I just wanted to know: Do you feel like the climate is still the same, or do you feel like you know it's it's changing uh, to be more favorable for you? Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. It's still the same. Oh, <laughs> it's still the same. It's not worse.
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: it's still the same.
2: It's still the same.
0: I okay. So, I mean, is there any is there anything that you feel as though um, you and I can do? just, you know, by talking here on this platform, um, that could help change that or is, do you feel as though it's, a
2: uh,
0: you know, it's going to take some, some help, uh, with, from more people?
1: You know, I, um, I think these people that discriminate, you know, they are who they are and they're going to do it regardless for people like me. Um, you know, that was a a choice that I chose to make was to to try to mm, not make it as identifiable, Mm -hmm. my ethnicity. But some people may not choose to make that choice. as a personal decision. You know, some people may feel like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be me, (laughs) no, regardless. So, but at the time, you know, I was ambitious. I was driven. I didn't want anything like that to stop me. And I guess that's a personal question for, for people conducting business and logistics. If you want to, to do that, some people may say, well, hey, if, you, if they can't accept who I am and what I am, I don't want to do business with them anyway. So, um there there's not really advice i can give you know, right but i do believe that it's a it's a personal it's a personal decision
0: right you know? okay yeah. no i respect that i respect that 100% and uh just know that i'm here in whatever capacity i can to uh you know help and you know just whatever i can do to help that's that's i would just uh leave it at that um yeah no doubt um so At the end of the day, I did want to just say uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us on stage. Um, Were there any questions from the audience? Um, Because we have been on for about an hour now, and we definitely want to respect Dee's time. Um, So if there were any questions, um, please go ahead and raise your hand. We'll leave that open for about 30 seconds. Um, But at the end of the day, like I was saying, we've been working together so long, it's, it's it's a pleasure to finally be able to I'll have you on the Transportation and Logistics Clubhouse and, and highlight you for all the skills that you have. Um, we've been booking freight for forever, and you're definitely one of those mm-hmm. folks that I know if I have a question, I can definitely get it answered, um, you know, just by giving you a quick call or a quick text. So you've definitely been a resource for me. So uh just want to say thank you um, for you guys who don't know. Uh, D is very very humble, so she's not going to say that she's also consulting. Um, but if you are interested, um, I would say just click on her image, and you will see her information. She does have her email address, um, and just so I can say it because people are going to hear this after the fact, uh, it is the letter D consults ten twenty at gmail dot com. So, however, okay, so um, we did. I did get a, a question. Does she mentor? Hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. D do, do you mentor or do you consult? Yes. Or both?
2: Yes,
1: I can mentor. That's fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like you would want to just go ahead and message her because it seems mm-hmm. like she'd be open. Okay. <laughs> um so that's that right there is that. Um so at the end of up, oh, we got One speaker, oh, I hadn't seen this little lady in forever. Man, I pray that grandbaby having a a ball over there because when I see your Instagram page, that's all I see is your grandbaby. (laughs) Hey, Hey,
3: Christy, hey y'all, hey everybody. Um, Dee, I just wanted to say, like, I- I'm just so proud of you. You've done amazing. But you guys, D, sounds so soft-spoken and so meek and humble here. <laughs> let me tell you, I have been working directly with Dee for, what, six years now, almost seven. And she is a beast. Do not let that smooth talk fool you. She is a beast. Um, she definitely knows what she's talking about and what she's doing. And um, when I tell you, like, sometimes she blows my mind. Um we work very closely together and she helps me with some of my stuff and she just blows my mind. And that that's all. I just wanted to come up here and give you your flowers, D. And hey Jory, it has been forever. We do need to catch up. The grandbaby is amazing. I made it up to see her. She is a doll. She's, you know, the pictures just don't do it justice, what's in person. Right. Um, you know, you, you don't, don't get a grandparent talking about their grandchild, because...
0: Oh, we <laughs> going to be here for hours, ain't we? Yeah, we'll be here another hour. But I just
3: wanted to come up and give Dee her flowers and let y'all know. Um, you know, she is very humble and very meek on here, but when it gets down to business, baby, D, <laughs> Dee is on fire.
1: Don't... <laughs> Thank you, Christy. No problem.
0: Thank you for coming up, Christy. Truly yes, sir. appreciate it. Uh, All right. Just like she said, um, Dee is definitely professional. She's efficient and uh, she's going to get the work done. So uh, thank you for reinforcing that, Christy. Uh, what's up, Kenneth? How you doing, brother?
4: Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'll keep it short. I don't want to hold anybody longer. Um,. Uh, It's just a question from the carrier side, basically what I'm dealing with right now. Uh, What would be the best way to deal with these lower rates that I've been dealing with from a broker side? What would be the best approach I could take?
1: The best approach you can take is keep looking for that broker that's going to give you what you're looking for. Really keep calling. Just keep calling until you find what you need on your money. And let them know, too. A lot of times I take calls from people and they say, that's too cheap and hang up. You know, let them know, let them know what you need to move. And you never know. You may hit them at the right time where the customer just sent an email that says, Hey, I got to get this picked up right now. Pay whatever you got to pay. You never know. Just so keep, keep calling around. So you get that broker to give you what you need on your money and let them know again, let them know what you're looking for.
0: Right. I would agree. Um, I definitely make sure that that first rate that is being stated is what is ideal for my carriers that I dispatch for. And I will say this, um, last week we had uh, Shannon Breen of Freight Bonas, and he made a, a very, very great point of, you know, if you're treating everything transactional, you want to get paid transactional. If you find a great broker who is paying you what you are looking for, don't. Don't let that just stay, you know, tick for tat, you know, show value and show yourself in other ways so that you can build on that relationship. Because like Dee said, they're out there. You're going to run into them. If you're persistent, you're definitely going to run into the the folks that are going to, like, treat you and give you the things that you want. It's just once you do have it, it's on you to, you know, kind of keep it, you know, to, to really grow that relationship. Right.
2: Yeah.
4: No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, I definitely obviously I agree with you guys, because um, I have found certain brokers where they're extremely nice, they pay very well, very professional, but then sometimes they don't have enough freight. They don't have enough freight that I need. They don't, they're not moving the lane as much as I like, but I guess it's just I'm being a bit impatient, I should just keep on calling. Well,
0: true. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can say that, but at the same time, you're entitled to your own opinion is your experience. Um, but you know, I would just say that just stay persistent, man. If you're, if you're consistent, you're persistent, you're going to get it. At that point, you're going to say, can you keep it? You know what I mean? So yeah, just, uh, and what type of equipment do you have? Uh, drive-in. Okay. 53 footer. Yes, sir. Okay. I mean, well, truth be told, man, let's talk after this. But I mean, if you have that, I'm not, you know, it might be easier than you think to get the lane with the amount of money that you're seeking. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah, I figured it was just connections at this point that I just didn't, I haven't not talking to enough people. Hey, right. that's
0: what Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, holla at D, holla at Chris. Holla, you know, it's it's the, the, they're freight brokers, brother. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, they definitely have access to that type of freight. Um, but yeah, if uh, are did you have anything else, Kenneth?
4: That's it for me, guys. I'm not going to hold you any longer.
0: All right, brother. Well, look, man, appreciate you coming up to the stage. Miss um, D, did you have anything that you want to say before we closed out?
1: Mm. Yes, actually, I do. <laughs> um, I kind of vent to Chrissy about this sometimes. Um, okay. I just want right. to stress, people that are new to this industry, please, please, you know, Educate yourself, <laughs> you know, take, educate yourself, please, before jumping in this. Because, you know, I, I get calls and certain lows require certain things. And sometimes people will say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and then the requirement is there and they're like, oh, what, what did
4: that mean? You know,
1: <laughs> so then they're coming back to me afterward and asking for extra money. I mean, just educate yourself know your equipment type, know your terminology. Um, I'm just, I have so many people coming back to me in the middle of transits or after the transits, even detention, you know, they're, how much are you going to pay detention? Well, can I resolve the issue for you? Can I get your driver offloaded first? What what doc is your driver in? Like they're not even giving me information to get the driver offloaded. They're focused on, you know, how much are you going to pay me? Just, just get educated, and, and when you're calling on freight and you're getting the descriptions of the freight, know the terminology. Know what an air ride is. Know what an a track trailer is. Know this stuff because you're accepting freight and you're moving it, and then you're surprised in the middle of the transit, and then it becomes an issue <laughs> that I have to resolve. Know <laughs> what <one> tailgating is. <laughs> Yeah, that's you know, that's that's what I wanna say. Thank you, Chrissy. Exactly. Well, tell that's one of the biggest issue. You know, I just have a lot of issues that I have to deal with during the day and it's because people are jumping in this and they they don't know. You know, they don't they don't know what they're doing and I know everybody has to learn. I'm not, you know, making any judgments on that. I want you to learn. But, you know, please don't Find a rate con and commit yourself to do things with terminology you don't even know what it means and then when you find out it's a problem so that's, that's all i want to say but also too i know that the rates are you know everybody's dealing with the fuel crisis and just hang in there um it'll it'll get better and stay firm on your rates and everybody thinks brokers take the majority of the money, but there will be a customer or broker that will get you what you need. You just have to be persistent. And also, like Jory said, definitely build those relationships.
0: All right. All right. Well, I appreciate you so much. Um, that's it for this week's folks. Um, join us on Monday, seven thirty AM as we partner with Freightways uh, to talk about where to send those trucks and where to avoid sending those trucks. So, Uh, Monday, 7.30 a.m., we're going to be partnering with Freightways Sonar Team. So I'll see you then. Next week, we should be having, uh, hmm, do I want to put this out there? Well, I might as well. (laughs) Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'll see you guys next week. It's a surprise. I'll see you next week for the surprise next Wednesday. All right, y'all. Well, again, thank you so much, D. You have a blessed evening. Uh, Christy, Kenneth, y'all have a blessed one. Thank you for the support, everybody. I got my my lady. I got my buddies. I got my, I have my brother here. Where are you at? What's up, John? Uh, Good to see you, man. Um, God bless everybody. Y'all have a great evening.